return to Rocky Knoll, the simple joy of slope soaring. We had just about given up on a return to Rocky Knoll. Since our arrival on the Oregon coast, the wind had been blowing steadily from the southwest, which does not favor the slope, which is about 10 minutes south of Yahats. But then we were walking into the green salmon and looked up at their little wind turbine, and voila, the wind had shifted to the northwest. After a short visit for their amazing coffee and baked goods, we packed ourselves and all our gear into the car and headed south. When we arrived, the wind was blowing in a perfect orientation to the cliff and just about the right velocity, something like 10 or 15 miles an hour. A short step over the guardrail, steady the wings and no guts, no glory, a gentle toss into the soft summer breeze. This is absolutely the most pure form of flying. All that is required is a moderately efficient glider airframe of modest size, a means of control from the ground, and a wind blowing up almost any sort of slope. No motor or propeller is required. The lift is purely mechanical, generated by the wind blowing at roughly 90 degrees to the slope up the fall line. Because the moving air mass has nowhere else to go, it rises up the slope at a rate faster than the glider naturally descends. If the conditions set up correctly, there is virtually no limit to the time the glider can stay aloft with battery life of the radio control and fatigue of the ground-based pilot being much more limiting factors. My interest in slope soaring started when I was a kid, and so long as I'm able to get to the edge of a slope where there is a favorable wind blowing, I will do it for the rest of my life. Happily, it's a hobby perfectly in sync with the green sensibilities of the 21st century. It is entirely in tune with nature not against it or in spite of it. The lift on that day was utterly amazing. The plane flew faster upwards than it did forward, and it was silky smooth. It's hard to imagine, but it's worth waiting a year to get back over the sand and ocean for just a few minutes. I didn't think it was going to be difficult flying more or less until the batteries gave out, but 40 minutes into the flight, I somehow managed to get back behind the cliff and over the road. I clipped the salal, which lines the road, on the way back out over the cliff. The plane spun around and flipped over and finally came to rest about halfway between the guardrail and the cliff edge. Any attempt to get it was stopped by the salal, which is too dense to push through, particularly in shorts and sandals. Some Job Corps trainees stopped by when the plane was in the air and told us about an elk herd which inhabits the area around Rocky Knoll. The migrating elk carve out trails in the Salal, and after looking at the slope from down the road, it looked like the plane had come to rest astride one of the elk trails. After a quick pit stop back at our house for more appropriate attire, it was straight down from the guardrail along the elk trail and right up to the plane. No problem, except the Salal is actually ear high and still quite difficult to move through. But once I was out of it again, the plane looked fine, so let's give it another try. Another 61 minutes in the air, and then a landing on the beach below as the sun approached the horizon and disappeared behind the clouds. Can it get any better? The following day, the conditions were almost identical, with the wind slightly stronger. It was one of those flights where time really seemed to stand still, and just about everything fades away except the plane, the sky, the wind, the sand, the ocean, and the sound of the surf. The lift was so strong and so smooth that the plane could be worked up to altitude and flown purely on trims, motionless against the flawless blue sky. Seagulls, ravens, and turkey vultures all stopped by, and even the whales made an appearance, as if to say, 
This flight may not have been perfect to this point, but it is now. After my wife Michelle said, that's 90 minutes, it was a landing on the beach below where the wingtips in the skid left three perfect arcing trails in the sand. I'm Terence Gannon, and I'm not there yet. Thank you so much for listening. I want to take a brief moment to announce that the Not There Yet podcast is now a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. This is a great new initiative dedicated to the support and development of high-quality independent podcasts produced in our home of beautiful Alberta, Canada. It's well worth your time checking out the members' podcasts, which all can be found in one place at albertapodcastnetwork.com. Just the way it sounds, no spaces. In a moment, I will also talk about the vital role ATB plays in powering the Alberta Podcast Network. Not There Yet is a weekly series of short essays podcasted from the second decade of the 21st century. They are all written and read by me, and the entire production is wholly owned by Interlog Inc. of Calgary, Canada. All rights are reserved. If you like what you've heard, please rate the show on iTunes. It really helps to build the audience, which means I get to keep doing this. As mentioned a moment ago, we're proud to be a member of the new Alberta Podcast Network. APN is powered by ATB, and let me take a moment to explain a little. ATB is a financial institution, sort of like a bank, but better in many ways, here in beautiful Alberta, Canada, where the Not There Yet podcast is based. ATB has stepped in to directly support the Alberta Podcast Network, which in turn directly supports this show. This means I can keep bringing you the Not There Yet essays on into the future. To find out why ATB is like a bank, but better, please check them out at atb.com listen. They really deserve a moment of your time. I truly and humbly thank them for their support. Thank you again for listening, and we'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, remember, it's the journey, not the destination. It really doesn't matter if you're not there yet. Thank you.